Hey Logo Geeks, Ian Paddett here and this week I'm interviewing Jeremy Miller to find out how to create the perfect brand name. But before we dive into that, I want to thank FreshBooks for sponsoring this season of the podcast. Time is precious, so you'll want to spend more time of it designing logos and having fun than doing boring admin stuff. That's where FreshBooks can help. It's a cloud-based accounting software that allows you to create uh, a branded invoice in as little as 30 seconds. It's designed for creative professionals like you, so it's well worth checking out for yourself. And you can do that with a free 30-day trial. To claim that, just head to freshbooks.com forward slash logageek and be sure to enter logageek in the how did you hear about us section. If you're a designer, you very likely face a situation when a company needs your help with their branding, but their business name just doesn't seem right or it's just way too long or, you know, they just don't have a name and they've, they've asked for your support. But the problem is naming is really hard, not just because you need to work out the perfect name, but you also need to find one that's available too. Um, I've done it a, a couple of times before and every time it's been such a challenge, but I get so frequently asked that I do want to uh, offer it as a service in the future, but I don't really know the best way to go about doing it. And I've thankfully found quite a few amazing resources, but one that's just came out in the past couple of months is a new book called Brand New Name, a proven step-by-step process to create an unforgettable brand name. And that's a book by this week's guest, Jeremy Miller, the founder of Sticky Branding, who helped companies build remarkable brands. In this interview, Jeremy shares with us the secrets to creating the perfect brand name and his thoughts on branding too. Jeremy is incredibly knowledgeable on the topic, so I'm excited to share this interview with you. So here is the interview with Jeremy Miller. Although the podcast is primarily focused around logo design, I find myself in a situation where clients uh, want or need help with their company or product name. And I'd imagine listeners will be facing the same situation. So I thought this would be a really great topic to do an episode on. And uh, since you've you've just released a new book on naming, I thought you'd be the perfect person to shed some light on this topic. So as a starting point, what would you say makes a really great brand name? Well, it's a, it's a challenging question because uh, it's strategic. That I don't think there is a universal uh, answer to what makes a great name. I think what makes a great name is it fits the brand and it fits whatever it is, the company, the product, the service, the system, whatever it is, and it creates meaning. And so it's in that realm of, uh, of capturing the essence of what that thing is. And, uh, and so that can mean different things for, for different situations. And, but you take a name like Twitter. Uh, Twitter stands out immediately among social networks, but it's also a suggestive name. It gives you a sense of what the platform is like. It's like a, a lot of tweeting birds. It's short snippets of concept. And when it was used, that metaphor was just such a, a beautiful answer to what the platform would be like. Uh, and so some names are suggestive, some names are descriptive, but they just seem to have that way to capture what you're going to get. And it fits the brand and that creates that immediate emotional connection so that someone knows it and then they can keep moving and breathing life into it. And the name's a vessel. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, the the name and uh, a logo essentially is, and uh, I think it's one of those things when you get it right, like Twitter as as an example, you you just know straight from the outset that is perfect for um, that particular brand. Well, I, I know as uh, a, a logo designer or you know someone working on brand identity, uh, working with clients, we we are occasionally approached by a business that has a name that's that's just that sucks <laughs> i i've i've worked with a, a number of people that approach me and you know they've had almost like a sentence as their potential name mm. what would you advise is the best way to inform that client that 
their that their logo isn't right. Their logo or their name, or, or uh, sorry, all of the above. Their, their uh, name, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, I think that's going to be stylistic to uh, to the organization. Uh, now, in my practice mm-hmm. at Sticky Branding, we uh, we don't actually get into brand activation. So we were strategy consulting right. firm at our core, and uh, and so as a consultant, I have found. Uh, being blunt is one of the most effective tools. I often say, "Don't dumb it down, blunt it up." And um, and so, if a client's brand identity sucks, I think it's incumbent on us to tell us, tell them. Now, it, you don't have to be mean about it. You don't have to go, "Look, pal, you're finger painting with feces here. Like uh, this is just horrible." Uh, we can we can be gentle and say, "How does this affect your client?" And how does this affect your reputation in the marketplace? How does this uh, define where you want to be five years from now? And I think what we have to recognize when we are on the creative side of the table is what we can visualize, what we can see isn't actually common for most people. Most people don't have the ability to visualize or imagine the possibilities. That right brain of theirs isn't as developed as, as, say, yours and mine. And so part of what we have to do is break it down into a way that they understand and they identify with. And But we also have to balance that. Then there's the other side of this is that maybe there's some kind of connection to this uh, brand identity or this name that that they're completely enthralled with. Um, their 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 son or daughter designed it for them, named it for them, and there's some backstory to it. And you might be like, "Oh my God, this is horrible." And if that's the case, I think the choice is yours. Do you want this person or this company as a client? Because if uh, you can't have that kind of balanced relationship where you create value, I don't know. That that's that to me sounds like it might be a signal not to work with them. Yeah. I mean, something that I did literally yesterday, um, I actually had the instance where I had a client come to me and they had um, a a company name that was literally a sentence. It was like Hmm. five words long and it it took so long to say it. It was ridiculous as as a potential name. And uh, what I did myself was um, I I just literally counted the the number of syllables. And um, it's advice I got from uh, Marty yep. Niemeyer, he he says that if if a name is more than four syllables, it's going to be reduced down to some kind of acronym, or it's going to be reduced down. And that's what I did in in that instance. But I I do think you're right. Being um, just blunt. <laughs> you also gave them some logic too. You said it's over four uh, syllables. Yeah. It's uh, it's five characters. It's not memorable. They probably knew that their name was terrible. They just didn't have anything better. And yeah. that's the hardest part of naming is that it's almost a game of compromise that you put all this time and effort into it and you can't find any of the dot coms. You can't find any of the, the names and you're left going, ah, screw this. I'm just sticking with this one because I can at least move forward. And and so if you can help point out there's a flaw and then show them how to move forward, mm-hmm. now you're being a brilliant designer and advisor. Yeah, very true. I think acknowledging and pointing out there's a flaw is the easy bit, but actually coming up with a better name is, is challenging. But I know you can help with this as you just launched an ebook on the on the topic. So I'm wondering if you're happy to share with us um, how you would go about creating a company name. Like, what what does an exercise look like to help clients to rename their business? Sure. Well, I'd be happy to. So the new book is called Brand New Name, and it, it came out in North America on October 8th, and it's coming out in the UK and Europe on October 24th. And what the book shows you how to do is, or what it is, it's a proven step-by-step process to create an unforgettable brand name in two to four weeks. And what's totally unique around my approach to naming and and, and my approach to, to, to branding in general is rather than assuming that the naming consultant or the agency has all the answers, my assumption is inside every organization is immense creative potential. And what the process involves is a model of employee co-creation. We get the client fully embraced and engaged in the naming process. Uh, 
And what we do is it works in three stages. Stage one, we build a naming strategy. What does it take to stand out? What are the criteria for success? How will you know you've got a great name when uh, you get to the end of the process? Stage two is a five-day naming sprint. And this is included all in the book, so you don't have to, to go in and reinvent the wheel. But what we try to challenge ourselves to is I'll provide you a creative exercise. We'll give you some stimulation in terms of ideas and inspiration. And I challenge you to come up with five good names per day for five days. Now, on your own, that will generate 25 names. If you've got 10 people in your organization involved, that's going to take you to uh, 125 names. If you combine agency services and client services, again, you're just creating exponential growth. And the way the exercises are designed is they actually build on each other so that, that you're growing. Um, and, and so each exercise on their own might not seem all that remarkable, but as your thinking evolves, you will come up with more ideas and, and I'll come back to the reason for the the five days in a moment. The the third stage is a, a set of techniques and tools for testing, selecting, shortlisting, and finding the name that's right for you, uh, tying it back to strategy, seeing what connects in the market. And, and what I'm trying to do in the book is just give you a proven methodology that you can build on. As an agency uh, owner, you can uh, uh, take the method and use it with your clients. And, and actually, Sticky Branding supports a number of uh, creative agencies so that they can deliver the methodology to their clients. Or the client can take on the method and, and use it themselves. And in either way, what I think we're trying to say is the key to great naming is great process. That coming up with one great idea isn't the hard part. It's finding enough ideas that you can actually overcome the domain and trademark issues that we have. That we're actually in a in a, a naming drought right now where the hard part isn't coming up with a good idea. It's finding an available name. Yeah, I know I've done naming in the past and um, I work with a couple of other people and we spent days and days i mean i mean we wasn't working through a proper process it was just something that that we made up ourselves but it was so hard we we list down good names every good name we thought of just wasn't available um so i'd I'd love if you would be willing to share a couple of the um exercises that you're working on because i know coming up with a name is relatively easy but these exercises that that you're working through are, are those guiding people towards coming up with good names? So the way we overcome the naming drought is through volume. And uh, what we want to recognize first and foremost from a brainstorming context is I think group brainstorming really works against us. So you can imagine we've all been in that scenario where everyone goes into the boardroom and the and the leader of the group goes, okay, guys, let's be creative. And very quickly, you hit a wall and you don't find any great names. And so what the method is doing is saying, first and foremost, brilliance doesn't strike when you want it to strike. We need time to allow creativity to percolate. And so that's why I extend the creative sprint over five days is that you, as you work the problem, as you do the exercises, you're building on your thinking, which is taking you uh, from obvious ideas to breakthrough ideas. The other piece to this is by getting multiple people involved in the process, we're creating, uh, like Todd Henry would call it, accidental creative or creative accidents where two ideas start to collide with each other to create new ideas. And so what you are able to see every day is what were the names that your colleagues created and then that builds on it. So uh, to give you an example of an exercise, uh, one of the things I love to do is go back into history and look at people, places, and spaces. So look at geography, look at uh, quotes from books. Uh, Starbucks, for example, is a reference to Starbuck, the first made in Moby Dick. Um, Patagonia is a reference to the, the mountain ranges. Uh, we did a, a project recently with a, a, a software uh, startup in, the, in Canada where I'm based. 
And uh, they created a whole bank of uh, 30 or 40 names uh, based on different areas of the world that had a connection to the brand. And that actually sparked a second day conversation around taking some of those words and making them into invented words. So creating phonetic spellings of them and other things. So they all kind of build off each other. Mm. And what's the reason why you do it over a duration of five days? Because to, to me, um, I... I've only ever worked on a naming project uh, once or twice in, in my whole career. Mm-hmm. What's, what's the reason why you do it over a duration of five days or lots of different people? Because that sounds like an awful lot of time. Well, if you divide it up across multiple people, it's no more than an hour a day uh, per person. And so right. part of my approach to employee co-creation is to to create was let's just go back to the idea of employee co-creation because this is the secret sauce of brand new name. So I fundamentally believe three things. Number one, everybody is creative provided you give them structure. If I ask you to say, all right, uh, Ian, I need you to be creative today, you may or may not be. It's uh, And if I go to someone who's an accountant, they probably won't be. But if I give you some process, if I give you some uh, thought starters and exercises, I can kickstart that creativity. Uh, Two, nobody knows your business better than you. So part of what we're actually doing is building off of an existing organization's domain knowledge. And then the third part is inside every organization is immense creative potential that goes untapped. We we overlook people that are not in creative jobs. I worked with uh, one client, for example, or I've come across this all the time, uh, where you'll see a person who has a job and maybe they are a painter, a singer, an artist. They're doing something else in their free time. Their, their hobbies are immensely creative, but their day job is something that's immensely analytical. And so you never know where uh, these ideas may arise, but if we get a lot of people involved, we get structure involved, what we can get to is a whole lot of ideas. So in the the, the tech startup example I, I mentioned, they had 45 employees. And over the course of five days, they generated 639 names across the entire organization. Of that, we shortlisted to 40 viable candidates. We tested 10, we market tested at five, and they actually chose two, one for the company name and one for a product name. And the time commitment, though, was between 20 minutes and 90 minutes per person per day for five days. So we're creating exponential return by getting more people involved in the process. Mm. And um, how are you then coordinating um, that volume of people? Because um, I, I assume that, you know, if, as a freelancer, if I was to work with that business, obviously I'd, I'd give them some kind of exercises for them to work on. How are you then actually coordinating that with the um, business to get all of that information back to you? For sure. So the book itself gives you the full methodology. So it shows you what to do, what each of the five-day exercises are, all the process that goes out there. But you are hitting where my business model kicks in is when you've got 10 50, 100 people involved in a sprint, then the administration of it gets unwieldy. And so we uh, we have built a set of tools and process for administering the programs from uh, email marketing automation for just dis- di- distributing the exercises to a database tool with testing and selection tools to administer the, that whole side of things. And either sticky branding, uh, my company, we will facilitate our sprint masters will facilitate a client sprint or we will train and 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 support to train and certify uh, other agency partners or individuals that want to become a sprint master that they want to help uh, uh, facilitate naming projects within their clients and that i find very interesting because then you can blend your processes with my processes which essentially saying i'm going to blend our approach to naming with a way to fully engage the client in the process and now we're getting the best of both worlds that that sounds really good and i can appreciate that there's probably quite a few businesses out there that need that level of support um so going back to the process so far you've uh, worked with a wide number of people to generate a large number of potential names um, over a five-day period. In terms of narrowing that down, what kind of exercises are you carrying out to select the most appropriate name? 
Sure. So the first thing we want to do is a shortlisting exercise. So uh, if you're doing this on your own or in a small team, my recommendation is dot voting, which is a, is a process used in Agile. So a simple way to run the exercise is you put each of your names down onto a post-it note, arrange them all on the wall, and then give everybody on your team, say, five dot stickers. And you can put one per name. You could short, or like you could put all your names on uh, one uh, post-it. But it, what you're trying to do is get to uh, a shortlisting amongst your your colleagues of what you believe are your favorite names, the ones that stand out. We also will give the decision maker super votes so that if there are any names that aren't selected that they want to to choose. So if the, you give the CEO prerogative. So if there's any names that aren't there that he or she wants, they can add them to the list. So that gives you a first short list. It's a first just you're going to take 639 names and call that. And so in the in the example I gave before, we called that down to about 80 names. We then go through, a, you know, the next step is to find the viable candidates. So that's get going and looking at GoDaddy, checking the trademark registers, Googling it, and making sure there's not any problems with those names. If you see a problem, there's a competitor there, the domain name's taken and it, you can't use it or a trademark issue. We call them non-starters. You just get them off the list that you can't consider them. There's no point getting wrapped up on them. It might be a brilliant name, but you can't use it. So you just got to keep moving. And so that will whittle you down. And what we provide in the book and in a bit more sophistication when running it as a sprint is a name score. And that is a, a weighted matrix to evaluate each of your shortlisted names based on the naming strategy. So that gives us an analytical score. Hopefully that gives us an indication of which ones you want to test, three to five, and, and there's a set of exercises for market testing. And at the end of the day, you get a whole bunch of data, you get a clear set of sense of what's going to work, what's not going to work. And then there comes that moment, that leap where the team's got to say, okay, how do we envision breathing life into one of these names? We've got the data, we've got the indications, we've proven that we can use it. Then it's a gut thing. Then it's saying, okay, which one do we believe we want to be five years from now, 10 years from now, 100 years from now. A brand name is the longest living artifact of any company. So you want to get it right and have something that has legacy with it. Oh, absolutely. I really love uh, this approach. So I'll definitely read the uh, book to get a deeper understanding uh, as I'm keen to help my clients uh, with this. Uh, one question I have in terms of checking the um, availability of domains and social channels mm -hmm. uh, beyond going on a site like GoDaddy um, or checking all the social channels directly one by one. Is there any useful tools out there to automate this process to speed it up or um, is it something that, that you need to do manually? There's a bit of both because, um, again, there's complexity. Not everybody's going to need a domain name. And I think one of the challenges we also have to recognize as part of the strategy is do you need a .com? Uh, that's been that granddaddy of domains for the last 15, 20 years. But reality is to have a good .com today, you're going to have to spend money for it. Anywhere for, uh, let's just talk in US dollars, you're going to spend anywhere from 10000 to several hundred thousand dollars to get good quality domain names. And so you have to decide what's the value of those. And so part of the, the strategy is looking at uh, that. Um, but in the book, we provide uh, some naming resources and that helps to look at things from a few different angles where uh, you're going to want to look at, for example, Urban Dictionary. What is, is there any inappropriate or slang words that are going to be used? Uh, beyond GoDaddy, there are some excellent domain tools out there. Uh, one of them is uh, I Want My Name, which actually checks a, a whole lot of top-level domains. Or uh, uh, noam.com will actually search all of the uh, vanity URLs of social media sites. So we put those in there. But when you buy the book, you also get access to a tool called the Name Score, which is that uh, survey evaluation tool. And we also are pulling and looking at available, at a high level, the available domain names and social handles at the same time. Trademarks is the, the, the thorny one, though. You can look at it. You can even get risk assessments from lawyers. But until you file for a trademark, uh, 
and that piece takes time uh that is the the one thing it 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 is a, a process and there's not much you can do about it you've just got to go through the process yeah i'm, I'm curious then on on that side of things because i understand um that you've also got experience with um you know the actual branding side of things beyond um mm-hmm. naming uh once you do have a name obviously you then file it to, to make sure it would be trademarked would you always wait for it to come back with a, a yes until you proceed with the, the logo design and identity it depends on what you are branding so if it is something you have to own the trademark right. for then yeah you probably want to get that uh, start so you need to give yourself in the uk it's going to be let's say four to six weeks to get a, a trademark about 12 weeks uh, eight to 12 weeks for the eu upwards of six months for uh, the united states so y- you need to give yourself the appropriate time for this so you so typically you want to start your naming projects before very very early on uh, but the problem is most of the time we start the naming project at the very end. Um, and so that's it's one of those things that from a client perspective, say, okay, do we need a trademark? If yes, okay, we need to get moving on this name before anything else and just be really blunt about it. But and oftentimes when you're dealing with a product where you're dealing with a small business, they're not even going to file a trademark. They're going to see, can I get the available domain name? Is there any competitors here? They're going to look at the search, but they're probably not even going to spend the money to get an actual trademark. So um, I think you've got to ask your client, what does the trademark mean for them in terms of their priorities and then build your project plan around it? I just want to take a short break to thank FreshBooks who has sponsored this season of the podcast. As creators, we like to spend our time creating clever ideas that give value to our clients. But a lot of us spend way too much time running our business, doing things like creating invoices, chasing payments and logging all of our expenses. And that's actually where FreshBooks can help. It's an accounting software designed specifically for creative professionals like you that's so easy to use, you'll save hours each week on all of the time-consuming admin that you're doing. And that means that you have more time to focus on designing logos and brand identities. Time-saving features in FreshBooks includes creating and sending branded invoices in about 30 seconds. You can set up credit card payments right from your invoices, meaning that your clients can pay faster. And when tax time rolls around, you'll also be able to export tidy reports for expenses, invoice details, and sales tax to make working with an accountant really simple. Right now, I'm offering listeners of the Logo Geek podcast a free 30-day trial of FreshBooks. No credit card required. Just head to freshbooks.com forward slash Logo Geek and enter Logo Geek in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Now let's get back to the interview. We've been able to go through quite a lot of the naming stuff a lot faster than expected. And uh, since I know that you also have a book on branding, uh, Sticky Branding, I'd love to spend the rest of the time uh, we have talking about that. So Mm -hmm. at the start of the discussion, you mentioned uh, that the name should represent the brand. Could you talk uh, through what exercises should ideally be carried out prior to working on something like a name, logo, or visual identity? Well, it's interesting uh, on on that uh, because I look at uh, your your visual identity very much as an evolving piece of things. I think the uh, if you look at many organizations, what we know of Coca-Cola or Starbucks, where they're very locked in defined visual identities, they have grown into that. If we go back to the early era of Starbucks, go back to the 90s and just the, the evolution of their logo, the brand identity, the store experiences, etc. That was the growth of a small business into a defined user brand. And so many of the times what we are doing in brand de- development is actually working not with the the mega brands of the world. In some cases we are, but in most cases we're working with small and medium-sized businesses or challenger brands. And so the question I think we have to wrestle with out of the gate is, is really two things. 
the first one is to recognize quote unquote brand is a lagging indicator. And what I mean by that is the brand, if you take even Marty Neumeier's de- definition or Jeff Bezos, they will say the brand is what someone says about you when you're not in the room. Well, if that's the case, that's made based on a past experience. But if you're working with a fast growth firm or someone who's evolving very quickly, then their brand is actually uh, those past experiences may not reflect where they're going. And so where I think we need to to be uh open and generous with ourselves is to say, okay, what is the strategy? Where are we trying to go over, say, the next five years? Or what's our vision for the next 10 years? What's our growth plan for the next uh, five years? Where is the business and and the brand going to go? And then be looking at what kind of assets, stories, or customer experiences do we want to create? Because I think when you start to uh, look at this thing as a living organism that is going to continue to evolve, it gives you a lot more freedom to not only create a brilliant name or a brilliant logo, but to say to the client, we're going to keep working on this thing. We're going to keep growing and breathing life into it because to become a Starbucks, we actually have to go through a fairly substantial evolution. That's really interesting. And I totally agree that brands evolve. Um, I thought I, I had, um, going back to what you mentioned about uh, Jeff, Jeff Bezos and Martin Neumar's description, of a brand uh, being uh, that gut fill, um, even though it is based on past experience, I, I believe that you can still influence that and mm. uh, change people's opinions as the business grows. Mm-hmm. Um, so even with that uh, definition, the, the, the brand can still change and adapt over time. Well, let's separate this. I think a brand is, let's use the Marty Neumeier type example. A brand yeah. is based on, uh, on, uh, on, on what your past was. I think yeah. branding though is uh, strategy. Branding is what you're gonna build. So a brand is based on what you've done. Branding is driven on what you're gonna do. And in that sense, I think branding becomes very interesting, exciting because it's no longer static. That, that Now it's a question of, of core strategy questions. Uh, what's our winning aspiration? What do we want? What do we want to be? Where do we play? How do we win? How do we uh, how do we want to be known? And in that sense, now we're making clear decisions on positioning, on competitive advantage, and on customer experience. And and that is actually where I think brand identity, especially from a logo design and, 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 and graphic design perspective, really kicks in because now uh, your brand identity is helping to tell the story of what you want to become. And that allows us to continue to evolve that as we, as we grow, as we get more customer experiences, as we get better sense of, of where we want to go, then, then you can actually start to say, okay, how do I use this asset to better convey meaning and emotion? So when you take this approach, what, what are you doing at the start of a project to understand uh, those core questions you mentioned so that you can uh, create a, uh, a strategy to work from? So this is where my core work kicks in. So the way Sticky Branding is organized is we we focus on brand strategy and business strategy, and then we will often refer, because we don't do the activation site, so we would refer to yourself and others to do, uh, need a website, need a logo, need a campaign, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. So in my approach to brand strategy, we actually start with a pre-step to strategy, and that is execution. I think the first thing that most of the clients need to be taught and shown is how do we actually move a project forward? And 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 I, a book I recommend constantly is The Four Disciplines of Execution by Franklin Covey. And so the first thing I'd actually give to the client is that is uh, either we're going to teach you my my approach and methodology or just give them the 40x book. But once you're you're you've got that commitment down, I think the first set of questions really boil down to not necessarily asking the client about their vision, but taking them to look at the market. Where do you play? So who are the buyer personas? What is the state of the market? How do they stand out? How do they win? What's their competitive advantage? What's their values? Uh, rather than assuming they have all the answers, go take them on the journey to go and look at the state of where their business exists in the marketplace today. 
once you are both on that page, it becomes a lot easier now to say, okay, based on these market conditions and where you are, where do you want to be? And now you can start asking out those questions of vision to say, what would have to, where would you like to anchor yourself on? And that goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of this uh, podcast interview, which is uh, uh, the client can't always visualize what they want. And so you have to give them uh, some anchors in order to get into that kind of a right brain thinking. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's interesting to hear uh, different perspectives on branding because personally, I've, uh, although I, I have some element of understanding uh, the business's strategy prior to working on any uh, brand identity work, logo design work, website work Mm -hmm. it's only been fairly recently that i've started to dig deeper into strategy so uh, it was only last week that actually Mm. um i attended martin neumeyer's uh class on the on the topic so that's that's all fresh to mind so it's yeah it's interesting to to understand how how different people are um are approaching it and i think that's really important too that uh we actually have different approaches depending on where we come from uh, Marty comes from much more of a design creative world. My origin story to branding is as an entrepreneur. Uh, and uh, so I actually don't have the classic agency view of a lot of this stuff uh, because I was in a family business. I lost my competitive advantage and I had to use brand as a, a way to, to create the, the growth. And so I actually usually use a, a more... Uh, pragmatic uh, view of how does this move sales? How does this uh, create uh, sustainability? Where uh, it, versus more of what does this mean to have standardized colors or identities and things like that? Yeah, yeah. So I understand that you're focusing primarily on the uh, strategy, and you then, uh, well, the company would then work with someone else on the identity branding and so mm-hmm. on. In terms of uh, companies investing in that what are you doing to to convince businesses that it's the right thing to to work with you to focus primarily on strategy rather than um you know just jumping straight into uh the the graphic design side of things well i find clients self-select me so somebody is saying i need a logo they're going to skip right over me um, it, whereas if somebody, the, the, cl- the question that somebody asks when they are engaging sticky branding, at least from the, the strategy perspective, if someone's saying, Hey, I need a name, they're going to pick up my book, brand new name, or they're going to engage us in a sprint for that. And that's a clear, it's like a logo. I need a yeah. logo. I need a name. And there's that. Um, but if you need strategy, there's usually a question that's driven there where they realize that creating a marketing asset isn't going to solve their problem. And so what we look at is three horizons of uh, a brand's journey, and they are starts. So when you are in a launch mode, you're creating a new brand, and that, that creates a whole set of questions. The second phase is growth. Once you've got your brand, you've got your logo, you've got your name, you're, you've gone to market, you're making some money, the, the question then starts to wrestle with how do we grow to the next level? And that's the evolutionary ratcheting up of increasing market share, uh, brand awareness, uh, and just growing a business from, say, uh, we can use US dollars or pounds, it's about the same. It's going from, say, 1 million to 5 million, 10, 25, 50, 100. Each of those steps are different actual business and operation structures and brand structures. The third stage of brand, though, is restarts or rebrands that every brand needs maintenance. And if you ignore it for too long, uh, then you're going to have to do a dramatic overhaul. So as brand marketers, whether we're on the design side of things or the strategy side of things, the question is, where is a client in their horizon? Are they creating something new? Are they in growth mode or are they restart mode? And depending on where they are, they're going to have different sets of questions. And in my case, the, the questions are often related to strategy. Where do we play? How do we win? How do we want to be known? Or how do we get to the next level? And so they're asking for, it's like naming, it's, they're asking for a process on how they can organize themselves and their team to get clarity of what the strategy is and then how to execute on it so that they don't make any mistakes. And, uh, and so that's our method. 
But if somebody already has a strategy and they need to go right to logo, go right to logo. If they need uh, if they need websites or, or campaigns, use the partner that is best for you at that moment in time. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, another question that, that comes to mind as well. A, a lot of people listening to this, they are quite lightly uh, graphic mm-hmm. designers. I'm, ma- I'm making an assumption there, but I'm assuming most people listening are on the graphic design side of things. And I know... Um, I, I think it's due to the internet and, and due to a number of um, uh, groups and, and YouTube channels and stuff online. It's becoming fairly common for graphic designers to start to refer themselves as um, brand strategists. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested because you're doing it as more of an, an independent uh, consultancy uh, kind of business and, and you're focused primarily on that. What's your thoughts and feelings about graphic designers um working on some element of uh, strategy do you think do you think that's the right way uh, or the right direction for graphic designers to be taking their their businesses to to do some element of, of strategy as, as part of their um offering i would definitely advise it uh and and the reason why i say that is uh Clients are constantly eroding the skill set and uh, billable services of graphic designers. And you have m- multiple forces in your space where there's the young graphic designers graduating from art school and other places or just hanging out their shingle. And uh, it, they've got Photoshop or Illustrator and they can say, I'm a graphic designer, I'm a logo designer. We all know that's the, not necessarily the case, but on uh on Google, differentiating one from the other is challenging. So it creates uh, immediately yeah. immediate price pressure in terms of how much you can charge for your services. Uh, the other side of it is a logo is a moment in time. And so the question I would be posing is how as a, a, a professional and a practitioner can you create value for your clients? And against the question I would ask any clip, how do you grow to yourself to the next level? Probably it's adding thought leadership to the math, to the process. Is it helping clients better understand the use of brand identity? Is it better uh, in, can you provide value in terms of doing brand research or, or, or market research to help them understand what it takes to stand out? Uh, maybe you're providing thought leadership in terms of uh, just design trends. Whatever it is, how do you create additional value in your practice is going to be actually how you make more money for yourself. Mm, yeah, very true. And I, I think, um, you know, an, an area like uh, strategy, because you are solving the, the bigger problems, then that has, I, I personally think that has greater value than um, just simply doing a logo or just simply doing a website or, you know, just doing um, those those single assets. So I, th- I think that that's good advice. Yeah. And, and I don't see anyone as competitive. I think we all can collaborate and work together. Uh, I've spent 15 years building out my methods in terms of strategy and uh, and facilitation, and uh, and it's it's I, I'm not necessarily concerned of it from a competitive perspective. I would actually rather train and develop other uh, people that are interested in the the topic because. I believe we have to, as an industry, be stepping out to uh, help our clients get to the next level. No one's going to be creating a remarkable uh, brand identity based on going on to uh, Fiverr or uh, Looker or LogoJoy or one of these sites and just getting uh, some identity mm-hmm. and throwing it up on their website. That's not branding. Branding is is strategy. It's business. How do you build uh, a customer experience for your clients where they know you, like you, trust you, and ultimately choose you first? And as as an advisor, you can play a big role in that. True, and and I do find it interesting. Um, like you said, that um, you, you spoke about teaching your methods. If you start digging into uh, strategy and you start reading books, every, everyone is approaching it slightly differently. And I, I think that's the beauty of um, uh, understanding what other people are doing. That, that you can take parts of what other people are doing and create your own um approach mm-hmm. your own strategy um and and you can be quite creative with it in in exactly the same way as 
uh, logo design. Like on, on this podcast, I've spoken to so many graphic designers and it's been amazing that every single person I've spoken to, even though that the end product is the same thing, their actual approach to it and the methods that they take forward, everyone's working in a slightly different way. And that seems to be the exact same way with um, brand strategy itself. For sure. I, I would argue though that to do this brilliantly, what separates, say, a great uh, graphic designer is uh, is similar to writing in that you have to know the rules. So you have to understand the archetypes of design. You have to understand what uh, that is, and then you can riff. So if you look at it from just a language perspective, you have to f- learn grammar before you can break grammar for impact. And the same thing is in strategy. Uh, the... Uh, the the strategy frameworks are well understood uh, and and so if you're really interested in this there, there there's a if the history you can read the lords of strategy which is a very interesting history of where strategy as a practice came from but my favorite strategy book is by roger martin it's called playing to win and it shows uh an interesting five question process that's used by Procter and Gamble, but it's, it's to, if you're serious about strategy, it's like being serious about design, know the archetypes in order to be creative. You're not going to just go create a method just because, uh, you, um, you've worked with a couple clients that there is some academic and, and rigor academic elements and rigor elements to doing this kind of practice brilliantly. Yeah, thank you for sharing those um, books as well. They're they're not books that I've come across previously. So personally, I'm going to go out and uh, buy them and read them myself. But I'm sure listeners will appreciate that as well. And if you're well, just on the brand strategy one, on the book one, everything by David Auker, uh, which is A A K E R, you have to read it. Okay. He is the uh, the godfather of modern branding. His books are hard to read; they're textbooks, but. Um, but he, uh, is, he is setting out the, the strategic theoretical frameworks of what is true brand strategy. And so, uh, you can read stuff like mine for sticky branding, a brand new name to get it from a a practical action perspective. Marty Neumeier is doing something very similar in, in his approach or, and but David is the is the guy who's just the true academic source material. He's they go right to the you can go right to the water fountain with him. Yeah, cool. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I did want to speak about your book, uh, the Sticky Branding, because I, I know, like you said, you you mentioned uh, these uh, main primary uh, sources that are fairly academic and, and worth reading, mm-hmm. and uh, the the book the books that you've put together are um, more practical and um, you know more like I'm, I'm making assumptions here because I, I I haven't yet read them properly, but mm-hmm. it sounds like they are more uh, practical step by step approaches that you can take and apply. So I did want to ask, because you do, you do have another book called um, Sticky Branding as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you, what what does make a, a brand sticky in, in the sense of uh, what you wrote about in the book? Sure. So sticky brand, so for me, branding isn't about logos, taglines, or colors. And I know uh, talking uh, on, on today and what we're talking about in logos, it, that might be a little controversial, but where my take in terms of what a sticky brand is, is creating a first choice advantage. It's when somebody knows you, likes you, and trusts you, they will choose you first. And if you think of any remarkable brand, Apple, Nike, Starbucks, or just even something local, think of your favorite restaurant that you visit on a regular basis with your family. They all have that one thing in common. Their customers choose them first. But to get to that is multifaceted. That's strategy, that's positioning, that's customer experience, that's brand identity, that's uh, uh, choosing where you play and how you win. It's choosing uh, uh, how you promote your brand and, and be known and create those relationships. So a sticky brand is a brand that has a first choice advantage. Any company of any size can do that, uh, but it takes work. It's, it's, a, it's a multifactorial uh, thing to create a truly remarkable business and brand. Oh, for sure. I, I think you're totally right that the uh, best brands are those that you choose first. So I, I'm definitely going to read 
um, your book, Sticky Brand, and to find out a little bit more. Uh, just before we wrap up the interview, I'm curious, uh, what, what's your your background? How did you get to the point where you're uh, building Sticky Brands? Could you share with us some insight into your origin story? For sure. Uh, I'd be happy to. So I don't have a traditional uh, entry point into branding. I actually got into it by accident. In uh, 2004, I joined my family's business, which was a, a recruiting company. And what I didn't know at the time is the company and the industry was going through a disruption. And uh, so LinkedIn was two years old. Facebook was just coming online. Google was five years old. And Recruiting and staffing was affected by these technological changes early on. Now, I was a director of sales and marketing, and I thought I, uh, and so my first inclination when things weren't working was we had a sales problem. But it turned out we had a branding problem. When people were going online and looking at us, we looked like everybody else. And so that that realization set me on the course to uh, become just passionate about branding. And so I had to figure out how to solve this problem. And at the time, I remember just reading all the books I could get my hands on. And the problem I had was all the branding books were talking about big companies like Apple and Nike and Starbucks. And I was a little company. I, I had a marketing budget and I had a sales team, but not a vast marketing budget. And so we were really trying to figure out how to uh, apply the the advice and wisdom of big companies down to us. And so we did that. We embraced uh, digital marketing and search engine optimization and social media marketing very early, as early as 2005. And my origin into branding was my clients took notice, the wor- notice of the work that I was doing and they said, could you help us? And my first start at this was actually from an HR sales perspective. I was providing Salesforce design consulting services to help companies create lead generation or demand generation departments. And uh, and so where brand came in is as I was working on the challenge to try and find uh, better ways to feed a Salesforce, I kept coming more and more to topics of strategy and brand and, and, and trying to answer those questions of where do you play and how do you win? And just to ramble f- moment, a quick f- moment further, just to tie it together, where Sticky Branding came from was in around 2007, I made the decision not to buy out my parents' business. We could see the writing on the wall. We could see the transformation happening to the recruiting sector. Recruiting is following a very similar trajectory to, say, the travel uh, industry LinkedIn is to Expedia, so it it's really hurt that space. And so, what I did is I spun off that Salesforce design practice to form Sticky Branding, and then I packaged and sold the family business. And once that was sold, I went out to write the book I wish I had when I rebranded my family business, which is Sticky Branding. And I went out and I profiled over 150 companies from Canada to New Zealand uh, that were all small and mid-sized privately held businesses, challenger brands. And I wanted to understand how does a, a small privately held business grow a remarkable brand? And what would be the playbook for that? And that was the the catalyst that shapes much of my approach. My approach to branding hasn't been from a design perspective. It's been from a, an entrepreneurial perspective. How do you grow a business? How do you create a competitive advantage? How do you uh, how do you make money? And brand actually is probably the best way to drive sales and grow revenue and make profit. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think that. Uh, where that came from it's it's based on you know true experience actually uh, running your business rather than from a, a graphic design perspective so I'm I'd be really keen to um, uh, read that mm. book properly you know to understand the uh, the the perspective it's uh, coming from and and just to see how the approach does different to uh, what say Marty Niemeyer uh, teachers, uh, which, you know, being tr- uh, transparent, it has come from, um, a, a graphic, de- graphic, de- can't get my words out. Graphic design. A graphic design <laughs> perspective. <laughs> it, it, and that's, uh, I think that's, what's so fascinating about our space is that we are all trying to answer that question of brand. How do we create affinity? How do we create loyalty? How do we create engagement? Like that's like branding is all about creating that competitive advantage. And what I love about 
our market is you've got people like David Ocker and Marty Neumeyer and Denise Leon and, and myself, or um, uh, you've had one on the podcast as well, uh, David Breyers, right? David Ryers. Uh, and and right, we're yeah. all trying to answer the same question, but we all have different origin stories. Even yourself, it's, uh, it, we're, you're in the, the, I put you in the same category. And what we're trying to do is serve our clients. And, and I think the best thing that we can all do is not look at ourselves as competitors, but look at ourselves as uh, thought leaders and collaborators that are trying to advance the industry of branding. And if we all work together, we all bring our ideas together and we don't think of ourselves like cats competing over something, then we're going to do something that's really, truly remarkable. Each, each one of our perspectives adds to the collective whole. Very true. And I, I mean, that that's one thing that I do really um, love about our industry. And it's something that I really noticed from uh, doing this podcast over the last couple of years. Everyone, even if they have a, a product, you know, that they, that they want to sell, everyone is so freely willing to give away information. And I, information has value. But I personally haven't had too much problem uh, reaching out to people and you know, if I've I've asked quite complicated questions like I have with you today, you know, that that could unravel. You know, you could basically be given away the secret sauce to to how you um, go about running things. But you know, yourself and um, other people out there, they've been more than happy to share. And I think, like you said, it's we. <laughs> it doesn't really matter does it we're all contributing to the same thing everyone has their own approach and uh it's just elevating the the industry ongoing and helping others learn in in the process so i think it's all good yeah and it builds on this is kind of sum it up a little um there's a do you remember the meme a few years ago that went around the internet and i'll send it to you afterwards uh it sure. was <laughs> how to draw an owl a simple and creative guide for beginners and so it had step one, draw two circles, draw one for the head and one for the body. Step two, yeah. draw the rest of the damn owl. And it's a picture <laughs> of the full hour. <laughs> and that's the thing that I, I so struggle with in the branding and marketing, but all areas of business. People are like, this is what it takes to create a great logo. This is what it creates a great brand strategy. And they, they show you the examples like Apple and you're like, okay, that's cool. But it's like telling them to draw the damn owl. Yeah. And my mission is not to give more big ideas. It's really uh, to solve that how and do. So very much my passion is finding um, proven processes, uh, finding the need, finding solutions, testing them, codifying, and building that out. And that's what Brand New Name does. That's really what we do at Sticky Branding. And where I try to create weight is by sharing that because the core to my practice isn't about prescribing or, or being the smartest person in the room. It's a, around how do we unlock the creative genius of teams and employees to solve complex marketing and branding problems. And so by sharing our ideas, by having conversations like this, this is actually how I think we learn to draw the owl is by getting into the process, getting into the, the roots of the ideas. Hey, for sure. I, I've actually always been a lot more interested in uh pro process and and the the behind the scenes work than the actual final work so i i totally agree with that and um i'm keen to continue to have more discussions like this um and for those that are keen to learn more insight it's definitely worth checking out both of your books and all of those mentioned in the, in this interview so uh we've all got plenty of reading to do <laughs> Well, Jeremy, this has been a really amazing interview. So thank you so much for your time today. Well, you know, I really appreciate it. And uh, I love what you're doing. I think you're elevating the the craft of branding and, the, and especially in logo design and, and development. So thank you for the work that you're doing too. Oh, you're welcome. I appreciate that coming from you as well. So thank you. If you enjoyed this interview, do let myself and Jeremy know by giving us a shout out on social media. It's always amazing to know that someone's listened and enjoyed the content that I'm putting out. So if that was you, please let myself and Jeremy know. I'd absolutely love to hear from you. 
If you're keen to learn more about Jeremy, check out his website, stickybranding.com. Alternatively, head to the show notes for this episode where I've linked to all the books and resources that we discussed in this interview, as well as full transcription too. To find that, just head to logogeek.uk forward slash 6.4. If you're keen to discuss this episode with me and other designers from around the world, be sure to join the Logo Geek community on Facebook. It's totally free to join and you can find it just by heading to logogeek.uk forward slash community, making sure to answer the questions asked. If you don't do that, you don't get in. Now, if you've been enjoying this season of the podcast so far, could you write a review on iTunes? Um, That will help me to reach more people And, uh, you know, I always put so much time and effort into recording, editing and publishing these podcasts. So it always means so much to uh, hear from people out there that have listened. So if you can spare a moment, please write a review. It'd be very, very much appreciated. So that is it for this week. But I will see you the same time next week for another exciting episode of the Logo Geek Podcast.